there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Today my guest is Kimley Smith. She is an actor and writer and creator of the one-person show T-O-T-A-L-L-Y, which spells totally. Um, a friend of mine invited me to go see her show a couple of weeks ago, and I was knocked out by it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and I met Kim Lee afterwards and we got to talking and I was like, I want to interview you. And here we go. We're doing it. Um, her show is extremely personal, extremely, uh, uh, uh revealing. She shares her journey, what happened to her with a, a brutal sexual assault in college and her keeping it repressed for many years. And then finally it sort of emerged and dealing with it and moving on from there and, we talk all about that in the podcast, but there's some uh, pretty adult content in this one. Um, words that have never been said on my podcast before, <laughs> I don't think. Maybe there are a few that have, um, but uh, you'll see as you get there. But uh, Kim Lee is delightful and passionate and brave and uh, inspiring. So I was happy to, to sit down with her. Uh, before we get to that, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. It's where all the different podcasts are logged. Sometimes there's pictures that go with them that I post there. You can also donate to my virtual tip jar, which uh, helps to keep the podcast free and cover expenses. And um, just you can read uh, different articles that I've written. You can also see my short films. I'm starting to move all of my stuff to that particular website because I don't need to give Squarespace that much money per month. Um, also want to get a plug in for the mismatch game, the benefit comedy show that I produce a, a few times a year and host it's coming back to the Renberg theater in LA on September 13th and 14th, more details to come, but it's going to be fun. All right. That's enough plugs here without any further ado. It's Kimberly Smith. Hey there. I'm coming to you from beautiful downtown Burbank, the home of Kimberly Smith, mm -hmm. actor, writer, force of nature, um, Grocery Outlet lover. lover. Oh, obsessed. Kim lives right by this place called Grocery Outlet, which is like exactly what it sounds yeah. like. And it's like the 99 cent store, except they have a lot more choice. Yep. And things aren't just 99 cents, but they get like those, those kind of discount Random. stuff, but you love it anyway. You know it. And you can't wait to go to them. And I'm a little bit of a junkie. I gotta yeah. be honest. I'm there every day because I live super close to it. I'm literally there every you day. You can walk. It's yeah. like my cheers. It's like my cheers. I'm like, what's up, Kim Lee? How you yeah. doing? We got a new thing in day. I love it. Yeah, they're good. It's they're so good. good. Yeah, they're so good. I love that place. And I can't believe you know it. Not very many people know it. I, I know. tell people that I got like, the song stuck in my head, but I won't <laughs> say it. Grocery outlet, bargain market. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. <laughs> I forced to sing it. I met Kim Lee uh, about a week ago or so. Uh, a friend of mine took me to see your one-person show, Totally. Is it total? It's all spelled out. Yeah, like T-O-T-A-L-L-Y. So when you describe it, you call it T-O-T-A-L-L-Y. That's yeah, how you say yeah, it out loud. You do. It is a one superwoman show. And um, it's and it was extraordinary. I was so moved by it and knocked out by the performance and the story. It's your own story. Um and I understand you've been telling it for a while. This is a this is a show you've been doing for a while and it's taken around the world. Yep. Um, how would you describe the show to somebody that you just met, say at grocery outlet? Bargain market. It's so interesting because it's my autobiographical story. So it's my true life story, but it's really a journey of overcoming what do they say? Your greatest obstacle will become your greatest gift. And so overcoming yeah. your greatest obstacle and becoming 
the woman you are today or the man you are today. So it's really a, a, a journey of overcoming and a journey of stepping into your power and owning yourself. But I think all of us go through some sort of trauma that we have to overcome to become right. the humans that we are today. So I think this story is about, you know, this wonderful girl who had, you know, nothing but roses and beautiful colors in the sky and then Ready. Day, yeah okay yeah and then she gets knocked down and then she has to get herself back up and so you go through the ups and downs of that and i love it because i can describe it as like a roller coaster right because i think you laugh you cry yeah. you and especially because you had no idea what you were getting i didn't into. know anything like, nothing so it's one of those stories where i think it's the human story i think it's what makes a great film or makes a great story is right. the human struggle and overcome Right. Like we love the Rockies of the world because they've come out on the other side and you're cheering for them. So, When did the idea to, to tell, turn it into a, a, a show come about? I, in, oh gosh, in 1999, I donated a kidney to my cousin. Right. And I am not a person that did drugs. I never was like, oh, I can't wait to try an experiment. I was never a drug person. So I donated my kidney and I was high as a flipping kite on morphine, like higher than a high, high, high. Wow. Like, you know, morphine mostly knocks people out, but with me, it made me talk. Right. And so literally the doctors and the nurses and my family were all sitting around in a circle while I was telling them my life story, calling people out, hallucinating. I mean, people were cracking up so hard they thought my stitches so were going to This is bust. just in the aftermath of the... Oh, yeah. This is the aftermath. For, of, for days? Or it was for... like two full days of me talking. My mother was going insane because she was like, what? she needs to rest. So I remember telling the story and everybody kept saying, you should write a one-woman show. And I was like, I am not a writer. I'm an actor. That's what right. I do. Right. And I went really, I was very, very belligerent <laughs> about it. And um, I came back from donating the kidney, and I was like, as an actor, you know, we're always doing somebody else's story. Right. And that started to niggle it. Like, it just started to, like, hit in my brain going, come on, what are you doing? Like, don't you have a voice? Don't you have a voice? Right. And uh, so one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And uh, I began the journey of writing my show. Did you do it on your own, or did you do a I, I There was took somebody a, that yeah, introduced my, you. Yeah, my director, who yeah. wasn't my original director. Right. Um, I had written the original version on my own. Right. I had got a friend of mine, and he and I were like, let's do one-person shows, and we'll book a night. And my whole thing is, if you want to get something done, have a deadline. So we rented a space for three months out, and I spent the whole time directing his show and helping him create his show. Two weeks before the show, I didn't have one. Wow. I didn't have anything. But I had been, you gave yourself a deadline. Yeah, I gave myself a deadline. Wow. So two weeks before, and I had been writing off and on. Everything I wrote was terrible, and so I would throw it in the garbage. But what happens when you write on a consistent basis, the energy starts to flow, and it's doing its work, and you don't even know it's doing your work. You don't right. even have that revelation. Like Every writer has that thing where, like, it came to me finally, and I sat down, and I wrote yeah. for three days. Right. Do you know what I mean? And that's what happened. And uh, I woke up one morning, and it, it had come to me in a dream, and I called my friend, and I was like, videotape this for me. And he videotaped it. And uh, I transcribed it. And it became my show. Wow. That Did was... it change a lot from what I saw? So. Back it, to what it was. It, it, it's so interesting. Because, you know, I do those movements. Like, I do these three movements that represent. Are we talking about this? Yeah, we can. Okay. That represent um, my idea of what being gang raped was. And so I bring it back several times as I begin to reclaim that, right? Right. And those all came to me, like all the movements. Like, you know, I'm very, like, because I used to be a dancer, I was a professional dancer. So, like, the movements were very important to me. Right. Those all came to me in a dream. What Paula Killen, who is my guru of all gurus, my Yoda, as you want to say. Right. She was like, hold on a second. You, you know, the, the rape used to come right at the beginning of the show. Right. That She's like, that's not really the story. Because remember, you repressed it for eight years. And so we restructured the story to be exactly as it was. So that 
you think it's going to happen, and then it doesn't. Right. And you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah I didn't. That didn't happen. Exactly. You see it going that way. Exactly. I was really interested and fascinated by the repression part of your show. This whole terrible thing happened to you in college, and you repressed it for eight years. And by repress, it doesn't mean just, I'm not going to think about it. It's, it's gone. gone. That fascinates me about humans' ability to do that. And yeah. you study psychology. Yeah, so repression is a form of self-protection. Right. And but it's that absolute. It's that absolute. I remember, you know, when I say Becky, that it as she comes back, she came up to me and said, oh, I heard you had sex with these guys. I was like, what are you talking about? I was, I repressed it so much that I didn't even feel it in my body. Like, I mean, you know, you have When sex. you were asked directly oh, yeah. about it, I you didn't, yeah. did not have a recollection. My body, like, you know, sex is sex. Like, right. there's, there's things you feel right. when you have it, whether you're male or female. And I didn't feel anything. It wasn't even like I was different. So, uh, it was a powerful repression because it lasted for eight years. And it's funny because your friend Scott... Right. Uh, knew me when I was fully in repression. He didn't right. even know any of this story because he knew me when I was in repression. So, right. I mean, I think it protected me from whatever I couldn't have handled back then. Right. So by the time I finally realized what had happened, I was able to access it, understand it, and heal from it. And it came back in a therapy session. Yeah. Was yeah. it hypnosis? It was hypnosis. Wow. Well, because I have an undergrad in psychology and I am not a big fan of talk therapy because I believe like action changes things in life. Right. And I was a talk therapist for many years for other people and I right. just didn't like sitting there talking about the same old thing. Like that is just not my thing. If you have talk therapy, I'm all for it. Right. Everything works differently for people. But because I was a psych major and I, I really have a gift of understanding humans it's like what I was given. I can look at you and help you pull out your story. My gift is yeah. helping people get their stories out. So um, every time I would go to therapy, I would end up being the therapist's therapist. Right. <laughs> and it was super right. annoying. I was like, wait a second, I'm paying you. You right. know, that moment That's, where I was like, I told her my diagnosis. Yeah, it's just right. BS. So um, I literally found, I was like, how am I going to get help? Because I hit my boyfriend. I was freaking out. Ended really? up in jail, which is not part of the show just because it's too much to throw in a show. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like too many things. And so um, I looked up hypnotherapy. So you hit your boyfriend before oh, you yeah. realized. Oh, the, yeah. So the, the, the sort of pressure was coming out in all of these yes, fucked up ways. it was coming out in super fucked up ways. And also just my inability to have any kind of intimate relationship with a man without being paralyzed right. really was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right. Like I knew um, I needed something and then when I hit my boyfriend and got thrown out of a bar and I was on my birthday I could cry thinking about it in the middle of the rain in Chicago that's another show at the elbow it's a whole other show I'm in the rain drenched from head to toe being kicked out of this bar I was like oh shit something ain't right right I need help and that's when I was like okay maybe I need to see this so I went to the yellow pages literally the yellow pages and found a hypnotherapist downtown Chicago and I went to her and she changed my life because I couldn't see it. And I'm a very visual learner. I'm a person that needs to see things. Right. And once I saw it, I could understand it. When I could just feel it, it was different. But when I actually saw the images, I knew what had happened. So that was um, life-changing because, honestly, I couldn't understand what was going on. And she helped me see it clearly and helped me work through it, helped me uh, deal with You continued to see her for yeah, a while. I continued to see her for a while. And... Uh, like I said, once I saw it, I knew what I needed to do. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Like, it wasn't like, oh, therapy, awesome. Everything's right. good. Like I say, you know, I was a human doer. I mean, I did everything to sabotage my life. I mean, remember when I was first acting, I was doing Clockwork Orange at the Steppenwolf, and nobody knew this, but I would go on stage and do my work. I would run down in between scenes, 
cry my eyes out, go back up and do it. I, I could not be fully myself. And so I was living kind of this false life. What and was the crying about that you weren't I, That I was not good enough. Wow. Oh, I was with all of these top Steppenwolf stars. is no joke. That's what I'm saying. It was my first show. Yeah. And I was like, I was not deserving. So when, when you go through, especially a sexual trauma like this, you start to lose so much of yourself and what you believe in, who you think you are, that you don't really know who you are. So you're, you, you feel like you're only worth being raped. And so I spent so much of my life in that place. And then um, I started to do the work that I needed to do to get to the other side of that so that I could actually reclaim myself and be this woman that I am today. So when you go to the therapist, the, the hypnotist the first time, you say, I'm having these problems in my life, and I'd like to see if hypnosis can can help. Like, how do you set it up? Well, you know what? The... I didn't even know why I was going to her. Yeah. Like, it was like, like, it was I like, called you. Yeah, I said, I called you. I don't know what's going on with me, but I hit my boyfriend, yeah. and I need help. And she was like, have you ever, like she said, have you ever been raped or molested? I was like, no. Have you ever had sexual, no. Like, I literally, like, was in such, not, at that point, I had had sex, and, and you know, at that point, but it was all, like, in this weird, like I knew something was wrong with me because I could not have sex and enjoy it. It yeah. was the b- most bizarre thing. And yeah. so I knew that I needed help. I knew that <clears throat> nothing I'd done up until that point had helped. And so she was kind of my last ditch, my last dis- ditch effort. Wow. And so when it, when it came up again and you remembered and it came back, do you talk to the people in your life? How do you start to share that with people? That are close to you. The interesting part is because I had repressed for so long, I was really good at hiding things. Like right. super excellent at being like right. this on the outside. And like the person I everything's am today, fine. Yeah. everything's fine, which is who I am in the core. I think we're always who we are in the core. Right. But how fully you embrace who you are in the core right. is the levels of evolution. How vulnerable you're yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, each level, even doing this show, when I first started, I wasn't as vulnerable as I am now because right. I was dealing with it as I was going through it. Right. Now, years later, I'm grounded in it because I, I finally passed my ending, whereas right. before, I'd written my ending so far ahead yeah. that I hadn't passed it yet. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... I think the biggest thing with when I was dealing with it was like, okay, now that I see these images, I know what happened. My first instinct was like, oh, can I find the guys that did it? And I couldn't. Justice. Justice was my first instinct was justice. And then I was like, okay, Kimberly, it's been eight years. Uh, How do you want to handle this? And so I needed to get healed. And my thing was writing is what saved me was a way of letting it all out and i realized that's just how i process life even now like i'll write a huge text to somebody and be like bah, 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 and just like selling my feelings and it's gone like right. that's how i kind Send. of done sin and it's out once it's out it's out if i cry it out i cry it out it's gone like i don't like sit in things for too long like right. i don't stew i let it out because i spent so much of my life not being able to speak my truth right that i know now the only way for me to survive and be a thriver is by speaking my truth 24 hours seven days a week right it can be annoying but it's cute right because most people don't do that you know you stew you stew you stew and you finally have the conversation but then the shit's la- lasted so long you don't really get the healing that you need right so i really spent a lot of time um trying to regain myself and my voice because my thing was I, I wasn't only paralyzed physically on my legs when I was having sexual intercourse right. but I was if I heard a certain voice that reminded me of a rapist I would not even be able to talk do you know what I mean it's like a, you know it's, it's a trick things would trigger you yeah and so now 
the triggers still come ever so often, but it's not like now I think with all of us, like we're stuff doesn't ever really, really go away. You just become better at understanding it and right. dealing with it in a proper way. You know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it? Did you tell your boy when you told your boyfriend uh, after it had come back to you? What was that like? Oh, God. I didn't. <laughs> I really. So I left Chicago in 1999. And when I came here, the first time I told anybody was the boyfriend back in Chicago. And I told him from L.A. over the phone. And he was wow. the first person I ever told. And um, he's actually, in, coincidentally, the guy that I ended up punching out later. Right. So, because um, he, <coughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> he had given me so much by allowing me to speak this truth. And then I come back to Chicago to marry him, and he's dating some other girl in a bar, and I punch it out. Like, so that's kind of how it all happened. I see, yeah. But he was the first person I told, and then for years, I really couldn't date. <clears throat> I could have sex, but I couldn't date. Interesting. I, yeah, I could not be vulnerable, because I knew that if I was, I would somehow be let down. Right. Men were always going to let me down in some way, shape, or form. And so I spent a lot of time, not alone, but in what I would call the lover phase, or I would collect three guys at a time so that I wouldn't have to ever catch feelings right. for any of them. So it was a real good mastery of you like games. It was a big game of how to not ever feel enough to be let down. And if I was in a relationship, I couldn't be in a relationship with a guy that actually liked me. I could only be in a relationship with somebody that, or no, I take that back. I couldn't be in a relationship with a guy that I actually liked. I could only be in a relationship with a guy that actually liked me. Because then I wasn't really feeling anything, but he could. Right. You know what I mean? If somebody really liked me, I would figure out a way to sabotage that relationship. It's and turn too dangerous. It, yeah, it was too dangerous. Right. Then I would have to tell them the whole story. Then they'd have to see me as a weak person. Right. And it was really easy for me to be this strong, beautiful woman and not the weak woman that somebody has to take care of. Yeah. Which vulnerability is needing other people yeah. to lift you up. Yeah. And it was really hard for me to need other people. Like I was always able to be there for people, but I could never let anybody be there for me. So in the course of learning that vulnerability is everything. Right. Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah. I'd say vulnerability is my new sexy. Right. Because the truth of the matter is, is the most attractive thing on any human being is when they're vulnerable, confident, and love themselves enough to share. Yeah. I love that. Right? I love it. It's it. You also talk, there's a section in your show where you talk about sort of reclaiming your sexuality yeah. and taking a lover. And I thought that was really interesting. I related to the idea of it. Like, I, I, I kind of was like, I need to take that class. Ooh, and I will teach you that class. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that's what? No, yeah, kidding. But that's, it was it's easier said than done, yes. though. Like, thinking I need to be more adventurous in that way yeah. and then actually doing it are two different things. Totally. It was the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life because it was mine. But, it wasn't doing it for anybody else. I wasn't trying to. But when to, you first started to do it, when you're like, I'm going to let this happen. Yeah. Or I'm going to seduce. I'm going to. What were you. Did it come naturally? Did you feel like you were play acting? Did, did you feel. It, went, it seemed like it went well, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It was so funny because. Um, <laughs> ah, it was the most fun. Because that year. Is anybody listening? Oh, yeah, I'm doing a podcast. Right, <laughs> exactly. That year, it was like the year of lovers. Started right. out with a guy that's in my show. And right. I remember, like, I didn't even know how to do it because I didn't really know how to seduce because I was the person that um, if somebody liked me, I would just let them do whatever. And I didn't right. really know what it was like to 
please myself or, you know, please another. Like, I, I need this. This I is just, what feels good yeah, to me. Yeah, I didn't know what felt good to me because my very first sexual experience was being gang raped by three guys. So right. my, my delusion or sexual disorientation is what it's called. Right. I was just used you know what i mean like right. there's a phrase that a lot of young girls that have been traumatized use is i was a cum dumpster and they were fine with it because that's just what you do that's what i'm worth and so this is the first time i actually i thought that was only a gay thing oh no oh you guys use that word oh, yeah. too yeah well, because nowadays i mean guys don't even get hard ons anymore because everybody's a fucking porn addict yeah. do you know what i mean it's like what happened the good old days when people would get hard ons like i go to colleges and girls are like oh we don't really have sex anymore which is just bizarre to me. So the the truth of the matter is, I knew that's weird. Oh, you but it also attracts. It, it tracks. I get it. Yeah, it's so different. I have gone the last four guys I've dated have all been porn addicts. They can't get hard ons. It's the weirdest thing. And like for one minute you think it's about you, and then you realize, oh, they're desensitized to actually actually human touch. But this was pre porn addiction. This was. Uh, you know, when I first, right before I wrote the show, which was, God, almost 10 years ago now, and this dude was just like, he was a Sagittarius, I'm a Sagittarius, and anything I asked him to do, I want to have sex in the alley, don't tell the police, I did it. And he would do it, he would just show up, and I needed somebody that I got to control. Yeah, what a gift that was. It was such was. a gift, oh my God, and he was like, when, if you were to see him, and I would never tell you about it, but if you were to see him, you'd be like, there's no way. But he was the most fun I've ever had because- There's no way, meaning what? You would be he's like, super hot, or he's or not that hot? Okay. I, I wouldn't say not, not that. He, you know what? He had sex appeal, right. and he was so much fun, and I loved them. But like, if you look, if you looked at us next to each other, you're like, really? That happened? Because okay. it's not that. But like, for me, um, for me, attraction isn't about what somebody looks like. Attraction is what they have, what their energy right. is. And so, I have dated some very interesting looking men just because they were fun and interesting, and right. made me feel special. Right. So he would do anything. I'm telling you, that scene is literally the actual scene, exactly how right. it happened, like word for word, and he was the most funny. He had like white freaking socks on. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? And that's the last thing you leave right. done. Yeah. But we leave had your a, socks on. Oh, yeah, that's you thing. can leave your yes. socks on. That's the thing. <laughs> so, uh, but we just had so much fun. And what was so freeing about it was I didn't have fear. So you asked me if it was scary. Right. The first time it was. But I knew that I was a sexual being. I knew that even from a young age. Like, I knew that I was sexual. I you knew that, that it was a risk to yeah. put yourself out there in that way. Yeah, and I what if it didn't, didn't work? What if it didn't work? But after him, then I, call, I had the three Frenchies. I have a book on this, guys. I had the three Frenchies, and I learned how to squirt for the first time. Like, it was like all That's of these. Amazing. It was amazing. But I, I didn't know women could even squirt. Like, I just. I did, you know, yeah. I've heard. Yeah, you've heard Stern, Yeah. But I didn't know. And it's interesting because. It's a uh, Good thing, right? It's such a good meaning. Thing. If if that you're if you're able to do that, you're it's ex, ex pleasurable, very pleasurable. Yeah. But also, just even like so many women don't even really have orgasms, right? Because we have a different makeup, and we are training. We really train men poorly because, like, if you watch porn, it's like, oh, anything turns a woman on. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Like, she can come, screaming yeah, like slap her with her dick, chase. whatever. Like, exactly. Yeah. And it's not really true because the thing is, is that most women. I'm not going to say most. I cut most. A lot of women fake it. Yeah, and bet. they can find pleasure without having an orgasm. Yeah. Like we as a, as a creature, we can find pleasure without an orgasm. With a man, it's like, like it yeah. just, it, you have to have the orgasm. It's very different. Not that you can't have pleasurable sex without having an orgasm. Because I think that is very uh, tantric where you hold it for as long as you can, what have you. But I had to learn how to have sex 
that I could enjoy. I had right. to learn, no, not even sex that I could enjoy. I had to learn to enjoy sex. Right. And I learned it from a, a plethora. Thuggy Bear was one lover. Like, uh-huh. everybody had a nickname. I couldn't call them by their name because then again, I would have to catch feelings. And I was not catching any not feelings. feelings. <laughs> you were like, I have a Thursday guy. Yeah, I've got, I... literally, I've got Thuggy Bear. I've got Frenchy One, Frenchy Two, Frenchy Three. Are and these the, French guys? Oh, yeah, three French guys, which were, I'm going to tell you, American guys need to learn some things from these Frenchmen. They were the best lovers. And this one guy was like this tiny guy, but his penis was so big. I was like, are you kidding me? So I was learning like the joy of penis. And I, I'm a woman. We're going to be able to talk about all this, oh, right? Yeah. I'm a woman who loves giving a blowjob. Like it is my fucking jam. Like I love it. I can have a full orgasm while pleasuring a man. That's amazing. It is one of my favorite things to do. And then I meet so many women who don't. I was like, well, do you like having somebody eat you out? You like yeah. cuddling this? Then why aren't you sharing? Why aren't you gifting? My joy is being able to give a man something they can't give themselves. Hand jobs, not as much because you guys can handle your shit. Yeah. But if you give a good blowjob, you got a little combination of the hand, you got a little combination of the man. Like you've right. got the whole thing. And my the joy of finding sex again and loving sex again is being able to do it all. Well, the journey from where you were to oh, that yes. is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I could not have sex without being paralyzed. I literally right. was like... You would they, talk about paralysis. Oh, yeah. Your legs would literally freeze. Oh, I would be like this. Like like this. I, like, I guess you would call it a wet fish or whatever yeah. they used to call it. Uh, what's the phrase they used to call it? Frigid. Yeah. And I wasn't frigid. Like, it would be fine up until penal insertion. You right. know what I mean? I'd be fine until it was going to be actual sex. Right. Like if I was making out, I could be loose and free, but if it had to get to the place where right. this would be touched, yeah. that, that vagina was not happy. Yeah. It did not know how to handle that at all. Now, like, ugh, I'm highly sexual. In fact, almost so where it's like, it's weird for me if a guy doesn't want to just have sex with me. Do you know what I mean? So I'm learning that, like, that place of like, being able to just be present without that having to be without it necessarily being yeah. on the table, like you can, like not even not being on the table. I want it to be on the table, but right. being able to be in the presence of a man without being like, how come he doesn't want to have sex with me yeah. all the time? Every time he fucking sees me, that's just weird. Like he should want to fuck me all the time, right? You know what I mean? But like because I become so about sex that it is a weird place for me to be able to be vulnerable and have sex. And not be the male kind of image of what we think. Yeah, you're but, sort of like the typical male energy yeah, around it. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, not catching feelings. Yeah, not catching feelings. I'm like, and you know, a man that's playing has about six women yeah. every night. And if you happen to be lucky enough to be Saturday, you know you got it good. You know, right. <laughs> you got it good. But I had that. And, you know, I just, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, is this how you want your life to be? Right. Because at some point, you know. This is fun for now, but how, super what's fun, the long game? Super fun. And like I've had, you know, relationships that my longest was like a two-year lovely guy. I talk about him on the show, the guy I dated for two years. But yeah. like after six months, I was done. But I stayed with him for two years. Yeah. So funny. I was just talking to him on the phone right before you came. Right. I was like, I gotta go. I'm doing an interview. But it's that thing of like, how do you want your life? Like, I always say life shows up the way you are. So if you look around your life and you go, oh, my apartment kind of sucks. Oh, I'm dating kind of a loser. Or, oh, yeah, my car's like, I'm not making it. Like all the things you look around, but you realize what is inside of you is what you're attracting. You know, the laws of attraction. And I realized that I didn't want to be the woman who, you know, gets a call every so often from a guy that you're just going to have sex with. doesn't mean I don't have great conversations with them, but I want it to be the choice. Right. I want it to be the person that a guy would choose. Men are my... um, 
you know, I identify as cis and men are my thing. Like right. I tried to be a lesbian. I wanted to be a lesbian so fucking bad. Didn't work. I, oh, I wanted it so bad. And I fell in love with this uh, beautiful uh, woman in Chicago and we went on a date and then she kissed me and I was like, meh. And then I had another girl. Drink and that was and it. So it, did you ever no, have I, I sex kept, with a woman? No, I've explored in the right. sense of like, oh, a woman like, <laughs> it was fun. But it just like, it's it's fun in a way that like, I don't really get that turned on. That you could take or leave it. Yeah. Like, if that didn't happen, I would be fine. <laughs> it'd be fine. fine. And it's not, like, a bad yeah. thing. It just means, yeah. like, yeah, she went down on me. She did a dildo on me. It was, like, fun. But then I went and fucked my boyfriend who lived around the corner. And you're like, this. Yes. But you just feel it different. Like, I don't get juicy. If I There's certain men, like, I had this boyfriend once who could just literally put his hand over my vagina. Hover it? Hover. Hover. That's the word. <laughs> and I would orgasm. It was like a hover. You were That's so amazing. good. That's amazing. You guys should have been on America's oh, Got Talent. Oh, it was so good. But again. The old hover. The old That's hover. That's amazing. Oh my God. Could you imagine that? In America? We did the sex America's Got Talent. Right. Would that be bomb diz? Yeah, let's pitch Wait that Wait a shit. second. We're pitching some shit because that, what we're missing, like, I'm not against pornography. I think it could be a tool that could be used so much better than it is. Right. Like, there are, like, there are people that, like me, that could have learned something from it. And I think there needs to be a new wave of porn. You know, if you can't uh, beat them, join them. Yeah. Th- this new wave of porn that is sex positive, that is beautiful, that is anything goes, that is exploring bodies. And, you know, I think that we're missing out in our society on the joy of it. And so even with my rape, is like people don't rape you because their lives are super awesome. Yeah. There's an anger to what they're yeah. doing. So we're raising men not to enjoy their feelings and having a life mm-hmm. that is meaningful because you yeah. gotta be a guy, you gotta be a butch, yeah. you gotta, not if you're to not, then you're gay. That's, then you're, you can't, and we're killing these men. And that's it, the gun culture, the shooters. Yeah, I mean, and we wonder why people are going fucking crazy. Yeah, it's a they're going crisis crazy of because there's a crisis, but also nobody, we're not loving. Yeah. There's a lack of love. And like when you are spending your whole life on a, freaking phone you're not connecting you're yeah. not looking at anybody's eyes people were talking about this younger generation being more fluid sexually but like they also don't have any connection so a whole is a whole is a whole like how do we start raising a generation of people that actually are connected like i'll go to colleges and they'll be like oh my god we're having so much fun hanging out with kim lee but but ain't nobody talking to me i'm in a corner by myself drinking and they're texting about how much fun they're at having. the club after your yeah show. exactly but ain't nobody talking so I have a, like, I'm on a kind of a mission of how do we kind of retrain ourselves to be just more open and real and fun and full. And like sex is the most amazing thing, but I spent most of my life not enjoying it. Yeah. I always, <coughs> I notice when I'm watching it, once in a while there'll be a performer that smiles a lot. And I'm like, that guy's doing it right. Yes! Like, that's, like that, it, it, it's so rare that it sort of sticks out. Totally. Yeah, it's 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 almost like his trademark. Oh, that's the guy that smiles. Yes, it's yes, interesting. yes. But I bet, I mean, like right now, I get to have fun yeah. having sex, and even if shit goes wrong, it's fun. Yeah. Are we timing? No, we're all good. Yeah. yeah, yeah even yeah. if shit goes wrong, it's all delicious and fun and whatever. Yeah. And like you know, you could make a plan, and if it doesn't work out, how much more fun is that? It turns out a different way than you expected. It's yeah. so much more fun. So just being sexually free has really. Change me, but then also allowing myself to trust myself enough that I can trust men has been such a beautiful journey. And I think, and have you been rewarded for it? I, I, in other words, it's like, okay, I'm going to open up, and then you get burned. Like that's the fear too. But the thing is, is you don't really get burned because if you're really 
evolve and really elevate it. Not everybody's going to be yours forever. So if you really, you know yeah. what I mean? If you open up and you trust yourself enough, then you're also trusting yourself enough to pick wisely. Yeah. I also feel like things that we do to protect ourselves from disappointment, mm-hmm. they keep us from enjoying the the, the, the journey. The journey. And I don't think they work that much in, in, on the back end anyway. In, I say get your hopes up. Yeah, get your hopes up. Wish for the best. Be open to the infinite possibilities. Yeah. But also know that, like, I think our society, it's so like, oh, if you meet somebody and you like them, then they have to be the person you're with for the rest of your life. It's yeah. not necessarily true. That person, like, every man that I met, this is what my book's about. I call it Bear. And it's like every man that I ever met that helped, helped me gain back a part of myself that I lost from being raped. Right. So each version, like the guy that made me see again, the guy that made me, like I use each man to tell the story of the journey of me yeah. reclaiming my entire body again. And the last part was the heart. I love it. Is this book on, does it exist? It's, it is in a work in progress. But I this, love it. And it's a genius because I, I don't want to tell too much of it because I don't want to yeah. be stories. But it's like one of those things where it's like every man I've met has taught me something so fabulous, even yeah. back when I was repressed. And I wouldn't change any of that for the world. And if I look back at any of the one that I was like so mad that he got away, I really wouldn't have wanted yeah. to end up with him anyway. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like it's not a bad thing to, I think there's people that are, I call them reason seasons lifetimes. There's people that are coming into your life for a reason. There's people that are coming to your life for a season. And there's people that will be in your life for a lifetime. And that's, we were so against letting go yeah even if you've outgrown a person right and i think it's oh fucking gay yeah so let the fuck go let the, Big, fuck, let go. the fuck go because yeah. you're gaining something from that experience yeah in that perfect world you meet that person yeah. that just fucking gets you and you can just chill yeah. you can say nothing or say everything right and it's perfection and i do believe that. i don't think there's one person that is that i do believe there are many different people that you could have that with. But right. I think it's very rare. And if you find it, you hold the fuck on to it and don't fuck it up by sabotaging it with your own bullshit. Like yeah. my 17-year-old girl likes to mess shit up. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, he ain't even as cute as you think. He's not nice. He's lying to you. He doesn't like you. Right. And whenever I get super vulnerable, she likes to come out and try to mess it what, up. Does she have a name? Like, uh, like Sasha Fierce No, in fact, that chair. <clears throat> oh, I should name her. Yeah. It's Baby Kim Lee, but it's that little chair when I pick it up and I put yeah. it right. But she is relentless. And I believe that like every time you're ready to elevate to the next level in life, that's when she starts to show up. She's like, what we gonna mess up? This time, you're not gonna be on Broadway. You're not gonna do this. You're not, you know, she just starts talking shit. But now I'm able to have a conversation (laughs) with her in a way that's loving and cool. And I can be like, okay, babe, I love you. Thank you for trying to protect me, but I got this. So, that's good. Yeah. Now, you started doing this show pre-Me Too, way pre-Me Too. Oh, yeah. What was the reaction like when you do it at a college or in a theater? It's so interesting because... Everybody wants this, and not my show. Everybody wants to go on a journey that helps them transform. And I was having a bitch for that. It's such a relief when somebody tells the truth. The truth. truth. And so, like, you go to these schools, and especially, like, these, especially the colleges, they're used to people coming and be like, this is right, one in four people, how about life? They go through the whole thing. Everybody's falling asleep, and nobody's really listening. So I think I was embraced very quickly because... 
I was telling the truth and I didn't talk down to them. I didn't make them feel stupid and young and that, you know, put a condom on a banana like this. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I made them feel like a part of the family. And I think that's what my show does. I feel like we all are going on this journey together. Right. And I think it was really freeing. And I think that's why it's been so successful. Like, going to Lithuania was because somebody saw my show in New York and was like, I want to bring you to Lithuania. And four years later, she did. I don't even know where Lithuania exactly. is on a map. I don't know. When she asked me, I said, is Lithuania? Where is Lithuania? Isn't that Russia? And she's like, uh, we got rid of, you know, we were out of Russia a long right. time ago, but I didn't know. But the joy of being able to do that because somebody saw my show six, I think it was six years old, six years ago at the New York Fringe Festival and remembered it enough to want to take it someplace else. So wow. for me, what was it like when you got there? What was Lithuania? Oh my like? God. It was the coolest place ever. And the food was phenomenal, and the people were welcoming, and the students were awesome, and I was able to have great conversations. I remember, you know, doing the last show in this little kind of smaller area of Lithuania, and uh, I'm on and on about rape, and I have a an interpreter, and she's relaying everything that I'm saying, and I, like on all the shows, I had Lithuanian subtitles. It was really cool, but the interpreter is going on and on. So I listen to the questions she gives me, and I'm going on about rape to answer this woman's question. So it's a Q and A. <laughs> yeah, it's a Q and A. And so the woman goes, "Hold up, not like that," because that was me talking ghetto. But she goes, "I'm not talking about rape. I'm talking about sexuality. How do you speak so openly as a woman about sexuality?" And I start sobbing, and I knew it didn't matter where you are on this earth. No matter what country you're in, everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. They want love, happiness, success, and a freedom to be their authentic self. And I think that's what this show is doing. Right. And Saturday after the show, I was so pissed because everybody that called me was telling their stories about their life. And I was so mad and I just needed to be coddled and I needed to be loved and I needed people to top me up because, you know, we're human and we want right. our validation. I'm not going to lie about that. And I needed it and I got enough of it after the show. But, like, you know, Saturday I'm wide open. I've left everything on the stage. My heart's cracked. I'm as vulnerable as I possibly could possibly be in front of the amazing amount of people that I had. And my friend called me because I was whining like a little baby. And he goes, the reason people are doing that is because you made them realize yes. that they want it to grow and change and be better. Right. It's a tribute to your show right. that they're right. telling those stories. And it hit me in my heart. I was like, that's what this is yeah. about. That's what this yeah. journey is. So the deal is you'll listen to their bullshit. Yeah. If they say something nice about, um, if they, you have to pick out one scene, one moment and describe it fully yeah, and fully. what it meant to you and how you thought my instrument or technique was... Um, ex extraordinary in exactly. that moment. Exactly. Then we can talk then about Then we can talk. And all of them did that. My <clears throat> friend, you know, brought me like, like, it was just one of those things where you just literally, all you need is really to just be held. Because, like, you know, I left that shit on the stage. Right. I gave y'all everything. There was not a, there was not a beat missed. And I felt like we were all in it together. Yeah, like the, that audience was incredible. The audience was, inc I couldn't have paid a better audience. Like, it was incredible. And I, that's what my dream is, is to be able to hit that on a global level. You know, I really want a series because I feel like that is going to be able to continue my story in a way that, um, globally opens people up about not only the conversation about sexuality but like how do we you know raise men better how do we become you know how do we become better authentic us yeah you know authentically us because that's i think what's you know constantly missing and when you get lucky enough to meet people that are of like minds like you and i you can have real conversations about real shit yeah how does the reaction change to your show pre me too and post me too did you notice the difference because it felt like it felt like you were ahead of this conversation. Yes. That suddenly, all yes. these other people were yes. part of the conversation. Did it affect what you're doing at all, or, or? it really hasn't? I mean, yeah. I um, 
Did, it, did you find it meaningful that it was happening and like... I, yeah, I, I believe, and I'm saying this loud, and this is the first time I've said it out loud in front of all of these people. I believe that rape, molestation, abuse, all of that is a symptom of a greater cause. Me Too is a great movement, and I am all hashtag Me Tooing all day long. But it's not solving the core issue that is causing us to continue the same patterns of behavior. We're so busy focusing on the victims that we forgot that there are perpetrators, baby perpetrators that we could save and change their lives. You know, the, 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 the large majority of individuals that perpetrated were perpetrated against. So if we don't spend time helping these babies, by the time these little perpetrators become big perpetrators, they or these little babies that have been perpetrated against become perpetrators, they don't even get a conversation until they're 20, 30 years old. We've missed the fucking boat. So I'm trying to make a way to find a way to heal this so that we don't have victims that we have to deal with. Right. I don't know it's how more preventative. Happens. It's more preventative because, like, what's the point of putting all the energy in the victims when right. these baby perpetrators that are being molested at five years old or being beaten at five years old don't even get help and we don't see it. So I am trying to, I've brought together a group of people that have been either sexually assaulted or molested or raped or beaten or all of the same, both men, women, gay, straight, everything. And I'm putting a form together to try to figure out how do we create a program that starts younger? You know, yeah. we don't even get the sex talk to we're what, junior high? I mean, it's insane. You know, little like literally, they had an outbreak of um, what's that? Uh, uh, gonorrhea at a yeah grade school in California. They had a freaking close on the grade school because everybody was sucking the same guy's penis, who was obviously being molested by somebody because he was already too sexually advanced at his age, which is why he was in this circle, this ring of passing gonorrhea around. That sounds like big little lies. That's what I'm saying. But, but that, it's some little lies that we need to, we need to write <laughs> this story too. So if we're not sit, that little boy who doesn't know any better because that's what he's known. He's probably been being molested since he was five years old. And now he's in, you know, middle school or whatever, like 10 years old. And his only identity is sexuality because it's already put upon him at a young age. Yeah. So he's already perpetrating right then. Yeah. But we could have saved him at five. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know either. And, yeah. and also for people that maybe they're not, they don't have molestation or abuse going mm-hmm. on, but they're not taught about sex in any oh my meaningful God. way. Like the idea that sex can be something that adults enjoy responsibly and pleasurably, like that that's a notion in the world. <laughs> I know. Well, it's not something that I could even, couldn't even fathom like, based on the messaging I that even, I was getting yes. from church. And, and parents were not saying anything. And they weren't touching each other yeah. either. So yeah, no, like, they weren't. Oh, I don't like, remember my dad ever touching my mother <clears throat> in, a, yeah. in a loving way. And the thing is, is like, so all of, you got to realize if we're not learning positivity right. about sexuality, where else can it go? Yeah, exactly. Where else can it go? Yeah. Even if you haven't, been, like you said, hadn't been raped or molested as a young right. age, you've never learned anything. So these and then I'm, I'm right, I come of age right at the age crisis is hitting. So oh, yeah. It's like, the idea that sex could be fun I was, and, and free of anxiety yes, I, is sort of like a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. And also, I keep saying, let's take the <clears> dirt out of dirty and make it sexy. Everything you do is dirty. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's dirty. Oh, that's dirty. You're always like, you feel like you're going to be judged if you want something slightly unconventional, which just means oral sex is really dirty yeah. in the church. You know what I'm saying? So we've, I, I really want to find a way to kind of heal the society sexually because until we do that, we don't see any change. 
hashtag me too will do a lot, but right. not enough to change the core. It problem. was sort of, it is sort of shocking, not shocking. I don't think anyone's really surprised how pervasive it is, how many people yeah. have these stories that they never told anyone. Because the, the stats are one in four women and one in 16 men. Yeah. Let's get it clear. Most people have had some kind of sexual trauma in their life yeah. spanning from whatever years. So we're being raised to already be sexually dysfunctional yeah. before we even get in a situation where we might end up being raped or molested or being sexually harassed yeah. or, you know, being said, if you have sex with me, I'll give you a career. Like we're already dysfunctional and I don't know how we change it, but it is a mission for me because I think we can. I think there is a way to make change. We've done it against racism, against sexism, against, you know, homophobia, all of that. We've made strides yeah, and we have changed. So why can't we change sexuality? We're still living in a very puritanical society. Yeah. And, People just keep saying kids are never going to do it. You're never going to have drugs. You're never going to have drugs. You're never going to have yeah. sex. Those kids are having sex parties at like 12. Yeah. Right wow. now. They're, they're having sex parties at 12. Yeah. They're taking p- pills out of their parents' you know, medicine cabinet and selling it at school. Yeah. And these aren't the kids that you think they are. They're not the, you know, yeah. whatever we call the, the problem children. Yeah. These are the, you know, the top one in 4% are yeah. doing it way more than everybody else is because they can afford it. Yeah. So we've got to really, we, and I say we as a society because we, we own, we own, I, I take responsibility for my own actions in this world of how we're not being raised well. I take that responsibility. If I were a parent, like, like how do we begin to change this and quit treating children like children because they're already being exposed to things that we never even thought yeah. about. I was a total nerd ball. Yeah. In every aspect. I didn't even date anybody until I was like really like my senior year of high school. Like, right. I, and you kind of <clears throat> depict that girl at the beginning of your show. Yeah, I was an innocent, <clears throat> innocent little baby girl. And yeah. so how do we protect the children but then also help <clears throat> them understand how important their bodies are and how important their hearts are and how... You know, just because a guy looks at you doesn't mean you have to be with them. And just because, or vice versa, it doesn't matter, you know. And also, like, you know, the young gay community still, you know, when you're young and you don't have anybody to talk to, it's still, like, it's changed a lot. But there's still that fear. I think we have kind of a society that lives in fear that if anybody ever knew the authentic you, that they would judge you, right? Right. That you would, yeah. (laughs) We're hard on each other. We're so hard, but we're all going through the same thing, which is so funny. We're all going through the same thing, but yet we have the the audacity to judge another human. You know, we have the audacity. So I don't know. I'm in this place where I'm like, I feel awesome about who I am. I feel awesome about my life. I'm so grounded. I'm really open and vulnerable and elevated to a way that if you, if you know me, you know, I will never judge you for anything. The clients that I work with, that's their, you know, their number one gift is like oh my god i know i can tell you anything because i'll never judge you even leaving my show you know that i will never judge you i think people leave there and that's why they want to tell me everything is because they know they feel safe they feel safe and that's that's the world i want to live in it's amazing that you're able to convey that through your performance and story because you don't come out and say it it's just because of the way you tell your story um when you say with clients what kind of clients do you work with so um I, my whole gift on this earth, since I can remember, like when I was five, people would come up and tell me their stories. Right. My mother would have to like snatch me away from like random white guys. Be yeah. like, what are you doing? A random, like, you know, just random yeah. adults telling me their story. So I, um, I do a lot of private coaching. 
with people helping them tell their stories, mostly people that have been through trauma. Um, I'm working with a young woman right now that uh, is a cult survivor. I just directed a show for one woman uh, who was also a cult survivor. Well, some of them are doing shows. Some of them just want Some of to... them are doing speeches, and some of them <clears throat> just want to get to the other side of their shit. Yeah. And so my gift on <clears throat> this earth is really, which is why I think I'm able to tell my story in such a free way, is because I'm also able to help other people tell their stories in a really yeah. free way. What was it like when the Kavanaugh hearing, <coughs> Kavanaugh hearing happened? Because, I mean... The similarities. The similar. The thing is, is I'm kind of past so much of my trauma that like my triggers are different. You know what right. I mean? And so I just, I feel like. I mean, to me that was yeah. upsetting and devastating, devastating, and like, and 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 I didn't go through what she yeah. went through. Yeah. And so I can't imagine what that might have been like for somebody that could relate to those. The, the thing is, that I'm in a different place because I'm really. I'm really interested in the human experience. Right. And so my triggers didn't really spark. My right. triggers sparked a lot with Cosby for some mm. reason. It just, A, because like as a black woman, right. he was this icon for us. And um, it, it, that really crushed me more than Kavanaugh. I don't know why there was something that there was this, this thing that, you know, every person on this freaking earth saw him as this thing right and so like for me the the, the thing the abuse of power of the it. abuse of power so for me the things that have hit more home are the abuse of power but then also these people that we put on such a pedestal disappointing like you know there's that yeah. that, that disappointment like with Kavanaugh it was like oh it, it wasn't I was like, oh, yeah, that's what would have happened. You yeah, know what I mean? No, he's, that's he's, insane. He's like, drunk, so frat boy asshole. That's insane. So it's like, it's just one of those yeah. things where you're like, and I also like weirdly have strange, and I know this is going to have strange, I have some weird compassion for even my rapist because I look at like what kind of man rapes a woman. Yeah. And who trained them to do that? How did they learn this behavior? So I'm a weirdo because my degree's in psychology and I love humans and I have compassion for humans. And no, like, I think it's important yeah, and to I, be able to try like, to know I, what's going on. That's there. what I'm saying. There's sociopaths that we cannot do anything yeah. with. But the, the the core of these people, there's gotta be a way for us to stop this cycle. And it's yeah. not gonna be by me being more careful. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? In training me to fight if somebody tries to attack me. It is going to be attacking the actual problem. I was working in Tracy, California, and there's a DA there. And all the DA's offices, you know, across the world are the home of justice. And this DA made me cry. She goes, I changed my building to the home of justice and healing. She goes, I cannot see the cycle continue anymore. I am working with men who buy children. And I'm transforming them. I'm working with rapists because if we don't start to transform these people that are doing these things, we will not have a future. We can hashtag me too all we want, but we have got to figure out a way. Because if you don't have guys buying girls, little children, boys or girls, then you don't got sex traffic anymore. Right. We have got to find a way to figure out the other side. Because we've been doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yes. And yes, things have changed, but we're not changing the problem. Yeah. The problem is men do not have a rites of passage. So do you see what I'm saying? Like we've got this cycle of men that have all this stuff in them that we don't teach them how to deal with. Yeah. Because we don't really teach And heaven forbid they're vulnerable. That's you what I'm saying. You, you can't, can't be, be vulnerable or you touch your penis in front of somebody when you're a little boy, you're gross, you're just like we're not training humans to be human. Yeah. 
And especially if you're in the religious world of like yeah. everything's bad, you gotta feel guilty about everything. And I am on a fucking mission to figure out how we change the bigger problem because the bigger problem is humanity and the bigger problem is loving ourselves and being able to deal with our stuff. We don't deal with mental illness, which is why we've got kids and families and men and all these people, women, all these people shooting shit up because we're not dealing with the bigger problem. It's not the guns. Though the guns are our issue. Yeah. I'm saying we're dealing with people who have a serious issue that we're not helping them heal and they can go out and buy a gun at any time they want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I want to heal the hearts. And that's kind of what I do for coaching is like, I got to heal your heart or you don't get to be a better human. You know what you've done to be the man you are today. I know what I've done to be the woman I am today. And it all comes from healing my freaking wounds. Right. Doing a lot of that work. This show, it seems like it's taken you into all of these arenas. That is, it's not the same as, you know, doing uh, a Shakespeare play yeah. in the park. You know, like, it's taking you into these worlds, right? Yeah. Has that been a big gift? Has it been, like, a surprise? Oh, my God. Such a surprise. Because, A, I didn't even write this show. Because I was like, I am not a writer. And, B, I didn't expect the response. I did not expect. Like, I thought, okay, I'd do it two days. Yeah. September 13th, 14th. I remember it just yeah. thinking I'd do it two days and I'm out. Yep, we'll have a nice meal we'll afterwards. Have a good, yeah, we'll have a little cocktail. Everybody's done. We'll do a little toast. Cheers, cheers, cheers. We're out. <laughs> it, it has had legs. It has become it's a show that won't die. It won't die. It's like now I've got a company called Embrace Your Cape Enterprises, like superhero, be your own superhero. I am coaching people, but I also have a degree in psychology, so right. that kind of is wrapped it, it, it makes sense in a way. It makes sense, but it also is like people are dying for people to tell the truth. Yeah. You don't get to go to therapy and your your therapist ain't telling you shit about her. So, yeah, you can be open, but imagine sitting next to somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I've been there, girl. So this is what you got to yeah. do. There's a different kind of change that happens. Like this girl. It's such a relief when people tell the truth. Oh, my I've, God. I, I had a brunch a couple of weeks ago with the writers group that I was part of. I, I got accepted into this program at the Writers Guild called the Writers Access Project for diverse writers uh, gays, uh, women, people of color, like people that, you know, uh, and you submit a script and whatever, and they tried to sort of shine a spotlight on you and give you tools to sort of succeed. And um, we got together a few years after our group, you know, went through the program, and everyone was sort of checking on, this one was working on that show, this one was working on that show, and I was last to kind <laughs> of talk about where I was, and I was, and then I was kind of honest. Yeah. And I just felt like, I feel like it's a relief when somebody... I mean, you don't want to be complainy or, I don't know. I, I think everyone's trying to put up a, a front. A That's front. what this and, whole social when media it, when thing it does. Yeah, for sure. And when it, when it gets dropped a little, it's a huge relief. People want it so desperately, but we live in a society where you look on Facebook and everybody looks awesome. Everybody's yeah. life looks so flipping awesome. Or there's always the one that yeah, cracks. Yeah, and, exactly. And and like practically a suicide. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, you're, I don't oh know God. what to do with that. You can't even go. But that's the thing. It's like we're living in this kind of false reality. Like I mean, the whole idea of catfishing. You know, everybody's trying to look the best they can, and I fucking refuse to do that because I spent most of my life in repression, yeah. acting better than I was, thinking you know, yeah. making everybody believe I was this awesome together person. And when I cracked, I cracked hard. And it was ugly. And I hit rock bottom, and it was ugly. And that's when everything started to change. Wow. Yeah, I hit rock bottom hard. And not, like, from drugs or alcohol, but my, my, my addiction was bad men trying to, thinking that they would love me. And I just went from bad man to bad man. And any good men, I would push away until I ended up in an airport. And I'm telling this out loud. 
<laughs> I, know, I can't believe this. I ended up in the My airport. favorite podcasts are always out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out loud and personal. I was in the airport. The guy had stolen all my money, taken the air flight that I gave to him, the flight to fly to another country, another state, to have sex with another woman, come back. And I'm still sitting in the airport. I'm in the airport for 12 hours. And he shows up 12 hours later, assuming I'd be gone, but I'm still there. And he had some other girl's pussy juice on his face. And I go, is that pussy juice on your face? And he goes... Yeah, and then I still had sex with him. So, rock of the rock of the rock. <laughs> Nobody's bottom. ever sold a story <laughs> like that on this podcast. Oh, sorry, guys. I love it. No, but wait, <laughs> how far had he gone? He flew from, he was supposed to meet So me. the juice was still oh, on his face. He flew from uh, Texas, no, Oklahoma to fucking Oregon with pussy juice on his face. Enough that it was so obvious. It was so, I, I could it. smell it, you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Smell so you've gone to the airport with him? No, I had flown to see him, but the ticket that he was using to come back to meet me in Portland, he used to go to, free, it was like a free ticket, like oh, my cousin yeah. went for airline. He flew to Oklahoma to have sex, and so we had a round trip here. Finally gets here, and I'm so bad. And then it's so sad because then he was like, oh, um, can you sign my uh, my my uh, prince's diaries for my nieces? I was like, you got some. Yeah, because you were in that. Oh, yeah. So, like, he's, like, asking me, like, after he's, like, stolen all my money, leaving yeah. me in the airport for 12 hours, has sex with me in a peep show room, yeah. like, one of those things. Like, it was the ugly. It was so rock bottom. Right. I'm, I'm willing to admit it because I don't have any shame. And that's what happened. I remember going... I didn't want to kill myself, but I wanted to not exist because right. I was so... I would love to not be here anymore. Oh, yeah. I would love to not be here anymore. I would never kill myself. I don't I don't have suicidal tendencies. Like, that's right. my place. But I was like, if I disappeared, nobody would miss me. It would be just fine. I wouldn't have to be... Like, it was just... Right. And I, you know, since came out of that, I remember, like, Jill Scott was big. And uh, I remember, like, finding Jill Scott, depressed my in my house. All I would do was, like, drive to Burger King come home, order Pizza Hut, and drink beer for like three weeks. Right. And I was so depressed. And I was walking, watching Lifetime Television for Women. And one day I woke up and I heard a Jill Scott song. And I started screaming her at the top of my lungs. And this guy calls me out of the blue. And I look at him and I say, how much money do you want to steal from me now, motherfucker? And that was the last I ever heard from him. And cut to like six years after that, he like finds me on fucking Facebook right. and tries to friend me. And I was like, boo. I said, this is what I did. And I was so proud of myself. I said, I wish you well. So you wrote them that Yeah, back, because yeah. I was like, I can't live, you can't live on hate and anger. Yeah, so no, like, I, I think... Half of that was me being stupid and not loving myself enough and I would be willing to let somebody take, like, people will only use you if you let them. Right. Do you know what I mean? People will only use you if you let them and I would let people use right. me, especially men and I remember even the first time I had sex with him, like the first time I met him, he was like looking at other women while picking me up. And the first time I had sex with him, he threw up on himself and I still had sex with him because that's how low I was. This is kind of like a train wreck. There was such a train wreck wreck. from the get go. And I knew it was going to end badly, but I knew he was also leaving soon. So I was like, eh, whatever. He's leaving in three months. It'll be fine. And it ended in the worst train wreck ever. And I'm so grateful because he was my rock bottom. And I crawled out of that ugly, stanky, Pussy juice face coal and ran the fuck yeah. home and saved myself. I love it. I have your bio here, and like normally I'd be like, "What was it like to be on the Mentalist?" <laughs> but now it's like pussy juice stories <laughs> pussy juice. are so much better than so like. Much better. Tell me about the Mentalist. The but, Mentalist. Um, but I, yeah. I am curious about how you approach your sort of Hollywood career. Uh, you know, 
I, I want that series or I want to be famous or like, how does that figure into your, the work that you're doing now, which is okay. much bigger. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, it's so weird because this is so satisfying. I love it more than right. It's, it's like very fulfilling. <laughs> but I also love. You'd fucking. Like, I'd kill to be on fucking Grey's yeah. Anatomy. Oh my god, love! Like I love, I love being on set. Yeah, I love. Like I just shot a commercial for US Bank. Like I just yeah. love working you know as an actor. Put me on Shondaland. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk I'm about good. this stuff again. Well, it's so funny because um, the casting director for all of Shonda Rhimes' stuff, and I won't mention her name because I love her so much. Uh, when I first moved out in 1999, she was like, I went to an audition. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, but come back when you're better. That's really oh, a lot. It was say. a lot. It was a lot. And I was young. Oh God, where do you go eat after that? That's what I, mean. I was young Wait, and dumb. You... Mine was pizza. Pizza yeah. was my jam. Pizza was your jam? Pizza and beer, and that was my jam. Do you remember when Domino's got good? Oh, God. It yes. sucked, and then it got good. It did, and when we had Domino's, they used to have, like, you would tear up the tag, and if you got 10 tags, you got a free pizza. Yeah. So, I remember her saying that, and since then, I've booked several jobs with her, because I think what this show gave me was um, my voice. Yeah. And people think that, you know, an actor is about um, morphing into different characters, but a really great actor, why we love Meryl Streep and actors like that, is because they become that from which they already are. Right. That's why we love watching Meryl because she's not putting on an act. She's becoming that person. My whole idea of acting is like, if you were in this situation, what would you do? Like, it doesn't mean you have to like write down 14 backstories and da da da. This is my child. That's why kids are such great actors. Because I like, if you're like, you know, if you're playing, you know, Wonder Woman and your mom's comes like, Kim Lee, come down for dinner. You don't come down. But when she says Wonder Woman, come down for dinner, you fly your ass down and get dinner. Yeah. That's what, like, I think so many actors are missing is that they're trying to be something that they're not. Kids just go, oh, you're my dad. Cool. Yeah. Let's do this. And I think that's what this show gave me was the freedom to be me. A version of me. In that you were situation. enough. Yeah, that I was enough. I didn't have to fake it. I didn't have to And if I wasn't on. right for this thing, then that's all right. That's okay. So and I don't take it personally. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, I remember I was on hold for something with Mary J. Blige for like three weeks. Mary J. Blige got it. I ain't yeah. going to be mad. Like, you know what I mean? I was on yeah. hold with her for three weeks. So for me, my ultimate goal... And what I, I re- just think the pizza, I bet she had a ton of pizza. I'll bet she weeks. did in them three yeah. weeks too. We love our pizza. But I think what happens is, is I think like what's so great about this show, it's given me this freedom and also given me my voice. But the biggest thing it's given me is fucking freedom. I'm able to make coin doing what I love more than anything. I say coin more than anything in the world. And I get to help people transform. Right. What a better gift. I mean, well, and it gives, it's empowering because you have yeah. a little bit more control over your exactly. finances and your money and stuff like that. And also, like, it gives me a story to turn into a, se- a series. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. Because, like, if you really look at the wave of the future of this business, you better be a brand. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I have unintentionally created a brand. Yeah. For who I am and what I stand for. Yeah. And so now people can come there and go, what can we do with you and for you? Yeah. Love it. At one point in your show, you stripped down. <laughs> yes, I do. To your nice, it's a kind of cool lingerie. Right, right, like little it's lingerie. A nice little thing. Was that always a part of it? How always. do you feel about it? How has that evolved? Um, it has always been a part of it. Again, like I told you. People gave, I think you got a standing oh. ovation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stand, like, there were so many things. It was crazy that yeah. night. But I, I, like at one point my director was like, oh, you should wear hose. Like, no. If I can't strip down and show all my shit. With pride, enjoy, and loving it, then it ain't worth a show. And I don't want to cover it's, insp- it's a very inspiring moment. Was, Especially because I am it, not a small person, y'all. I am a voluptuous woman. Was it always 
a part of the show and did it, and the first time you did it, and it came, <clears throat> it came naturally, and you're like, I can do this. It, did you ever, did it ever, like, well, by the time, stump, it, trip you up a little? No, because by the time I wrote this show, I had done a lot of healing. Yeah. The show helped me heal even more. Right. When I, you know, I used to kind of rush through it. Now I can stand in it. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely has morphed. It, the actual physicality hasn't changed. Yeah. But because any performer will tell you, the more we grow and more open we become, yeah. the more vulnerable we become, the more awesome. Right. We it used are. to be like, let's just get through this. Part yeah, of the show. exactly. It's an important exactly. thing. No exactly. one doing it. Let's get through it. And then we get into the sex totally. dress. Totally. And then I, the sex dress, we're good. Yeah. And I, you know, somebody said to me before this show that you saw, they said, um, the more open you are, the more undeniable you become. And I wanted to go into that room being undeniably totally clingy. And that's what I did. And I think that, you know, that moment now, I used to not even touch myself. Now I touch myself and I... You're feeling yourself. I know. It was so good. But like, yeah. it's because I've grown into a woman who could fully accept... Because like, after I donated my kidney, like I said, I gained 80 pounds. And I've stayed in that place. And I've always been 115, a professional dancer. I was very angry about my body for a while. And then I was well, like... Especially because it's a result of doing something generous. Yes. But I was God, like, this is my reward for thank being you. selfless. Thank you, boo. Thank you. Yeah. And I realized that I had to just honor it and not be mad at it. And that once I did that, my whole life changed. Yeah. Like really owning yourself. Yeah, I, I am healthy. I work out every day. I eat yeah. right. I'm not trying to like die of a heart attack. But I also have to honor who I am. And yeah. this is the body I'm in. And I tell you what, I've kept, I've got more men in this body than I ever did when I was skinny because I hated myself. Wow. You know what I mean? I was like perfect body people yeah. like oh my god your body's awesome and i was a professional dancer my everything was yeah. booming and because confidence is way more sexy than anything in the world right and honesty and vulnerability is way more sexy than hiding and yeah. being something that you're not so you're gonna catch yeah you're gonna catch um the, the cousin that, that you donated the kidney to there's a photo what? is that in the hospital when it was that, that's, like look how tiny i am yeah and so that's your cousin. So my cousin's in the middle and my okay. aunt is there. So that's it, Carol. You guys are missing this really cute so picture. cousin's a guy. Yeah. Okay, cool. And he said now he walks with a swish. How, I love it. <laughs> How does that affect your relationship? Oh my gosh. My cousin is one of the best guys in the world, but he's he's a little more on the shy side. And so I remember going up to him and saying, yeah, we have a catheter. And I was like, what is that? And I said, I'll donate my kidney. Honestly, don't even know where that came from. And uh, our relationship is special, but he lives in Colorado. And, I mean, there's a bond that you'll never have. And I remember right before, I, you know, right when I said yes, because he flew out to Chicago from Kansas to ask me. Yeah. And right when I said yes, we were like, we're going to get drunk as a stunt. So we're in Chicago, drunk as a stunt. And he threw up for the entire next day. Now, remember, he's on dialysis. And then we were like, okay, let's do this. And uh, we did it. And it was life-changing. I wouldn't. It really led to a lot of the things that we're talking about yeah. today. It opened me up in a way. And also being selfless really changes you. And not that I would have, like, it's not on my bucket list. One day I'll donate a kidney to my cousin. It'll be awesome. It just happened. It was exactly, I believe that, you know, everything that's meant for you is meant for you. You just do, like, that was, I have, a, like, our family's, like, my mother's from a family of 12, so I have, like, a gajillion cousins. He's got two brothers. Anybody could have done this. But it was mine. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It was my my it was mine and ours together to do yeah. this. When you were when you put on the weight and were frustrated about it, did that affect your relationship with him? No, because yeah. I never regretted the actual action. Right. What I regret it was uh, that the people at the freaking kidney transplant place didn't say that this is a possibility. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't and like also, to say people it. kept now a yeah. warning. 
Like, and also people kept, you know, all the doctors I went to kept saying, oh, just quit eating and exercise, you'll be fine. And nobody, nobody believed me that it was because of this. Right. And finally I got a doctor to like do a test and was like, oh, it is because of this. But that was like, you know, forever later. Yeah. And I was already pissed. But I went to this life coach and she's like, you got two choices. Be done. Walk away from everything and call it a day and just be a fat girl in a room crying. Or fucking get over yourself. They're like, you don't know me. Yeah. And I fucking got over myself. There you go. I <laughs> and, love it. Yeah, because she, yeah. I mean, she's like, you got two choices. You want to whine about this for the rest of your life or you want to be healthy? You know, because at that point, I just started eating whatever I wanted because I was like, if I'm going to be fat anyway, then fine. Yeah. You know, and she was like, you got two choices. And I made the choice to be proud of who I was and love who I was and not worry about the bullshit and yeah. wear whatever I fucking want and be this awesome woman. But it took me a minute because I was so used to seeing myself like that. Yeah. I feel like the culture is changing a little bit in that way. I, 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 you know, with images like Lizzo and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Do you notice things when you go out on castings? Is it getting, <coughs> are people, are more people being embraced? They are, but if you still look at television, yeah, it's, it's still pretty people. Yeah. And that's what irritates me. Like, when's the last time you saw, the, the only show they had with a beautiful, black, a big girl is now This Is Us, but the one before that was Drop Dead Diva. When's the last time you saw a show with a big girl lead? Yeah. And I'm not saying that against it. There's another show, I think it's on Hulu, with a big girl that's supposed to be really, really funny. I can't think oh, of the name of it. Oh, Shrill. It is Shrill. Good. It's supposed to be really good, but like, yeah. it's a rarity. And you don't even see, like, why can't a fucking lawyer? The last thing we saw was Cameron Mannheim. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, why can't, like, we all do shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just because I'm a big girl don't mean I don't do shit. Right. Like, all of a sudden, I have no job. I have no life. I never date. Like, yeah. let's get a grip. Like, it's yeah. like, we just don't ever tell that story in a way that... Is it about obsessing about losing right. weight? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's a show, I, I did some interviews for ABC. There's a show coming on called Emergence. And I think oh. it starts an actress named Allison Tolman. She plays the mom? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She or she plays the, the police chief. And oh, the police chief. Yeah. And she, she's... Isn't she British, though? I don't think so. She was on Fargo or whatever. She's a terrific actress. Yeah, yeah. But, and she's not big or like, but she just looks like a person in the world. She doesn't look like a TV star on CSI. You know, and it was just like, and she's the heart of the show and she's a terrific actor and that's probably, you know, why it works. But I just thought, oh, it's so nice to see somebody that looks like a person in the world. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you really look at these, you know, there's a melange. Even when you go to your doctor, like my doctor was so mad at me when I lost like 36 pounds because she's been struggling with her weight forever. Yeah. Like, it's just normal. I think that, you know, yes, there is a difference, but I still think we've got a long way to come. Yeah. Um, You know what it is? TV gets fatty. Yeah. Not fatty. Ha! There you go. Fatty. Uh, <coughs> I hosted a game night with a friend of mine the other night at a, for a group of nudists. Ooh. I know, right? I talked about this I didn't know they were still the nudists. How fun is that? I know. A, a friend of mine is, has a group of friends that he does things with. And uh, I, we were nude doing it. I was like, fuck it. I don't care. Let's do this. And it was, it'll be a fun story for the whatever. But what I did notice is you're sitting there playing this game with people is everybody's body's really different. And I think sometimes we think, well... If we all just worked hard and exercised and had discipline, we would look exactly like this thing. And I'm Never like, well, that it. guy's really lean naturally, and that guy, like, you sort of kind of go, oh, we're all, we're yeah. all really different yeah. in that way. Even when I was tiny, I had giant boobs. Like, right. like they're just gonna go away. Like, it's just they're just gonna get bigger. Like, that's no. just what life is. And, and so, we're all trying to fit in this mold. And the greatest yeah. thing is, is the only mold you can really fit. And I'm leaving that with this is um, loving your fucking self. Yeah. Everything else doesn't matter. All right. 
You pick some questions from the affirmation deck. And you can, yeah, whatever yeah. you want. What's you the most, no, I love it. What's the most provocative image or inscription you've ever worn on a t-shirt? Uh, so there's a line in my show where I go, just the tip and only the tip. So I have a shirt that says, just the tip. Ah! I love it. Nope. Did you buy it? Or did somebody I made make it, it for you? I made it. I, I love made it. it. When you wear it, what do people say? They all go, what? Like, yeah. pe- people get it without you even having, like, there's yeah. no penis on there. There's no yeah. meat stuck at the tip. Yeah. It literally is just the tip and everybody gets it. I love it. That's love fun. It. Any scars or tattoos with stories? Ooh, so my scar is this big from me donating the kidney. Like you wow, can't see. Wow! So it. you're talking from your back. All from the way my back up. all the way to here. And is it like horizontal? It's like up. Yeah. Okay. So that's my kid. This is before they were doing wow. laparoscopic shit and that. And so that sucker is long. And the guy that I punched out, I have a giant tattoo that is that. On my back, it's the African sun mask from Zaire. Yeah. And it stands for strength and power. It's actually a masculine symbol, but I have it yeah. on my back. And that was after I broke, like, after I got kicked out of the bar. I'm reading. It's my birthday. I got that. You got that. You got the tattoo. Mm-hmm. To symbolize. To symbol that. Wow. And then my last tattoo I got a year ago when I finally stepped into my full vulnerability. And it is the queen crown. What, what was the event of a year ago or was well my dad was... died december 27 2011 love you daddy that's his um oh, and the, she's yeah. pointing to the stereo and the albums oh, yeah. and the so i drove from la to kansas to bring this beautiful stereo his reel-to-reel his record player all of his records all his reel-to-reels yeah back home and one day it will be set up <laughs> but at least it's here and it's, it looks you know, very cool yeah, it's honoring my dad so yeah. he died and so i was in grief up until about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. And let's say two years, and then the first year after coming out of grief and seeing color again, I had so much to catch up on. And then I went to the psychic that I go to for my birthday every year, and this was three years ago. She said, vulnerability is your new sex. And I was like, you don't know me. I'm so vulnerable. I tell a one-woman show. And about uh, a year ago, I was like, oh, okay. year and a half ago, the beginning of 2018, I'm not. I'm vulnerable. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not still allowing myself to truly love and be loved. And I knew that I had to change that this year. There you go. Yeah. So you stepped it up. Stepping it up. I love it. When was the first time you saw a dirty magazine or video? It's so funny. So my dad was an avid collector of every like little magazine. He would hide them all over the house. And my brother it's was such a thrill when you find the stash. Oh, oh I was so As excited. A kid, when you find the stash, you're like, Oh my god. Oh my god. God, and you think you're so there's cool, but so then you, many. Yeah, you have to be secret. So my brother was dating one of my girlfriends at the time who was a cheerleader with me. And I was dating this guy. I was in college. Oh, my God. It was like my, you know, one of the first guys I dated post-rape. And so we decided we were going to, like, the summertime, we were going to write dirty letters to our boyfriends. And so we pulled out these magazines. We're like, oh, shit. So we go through them. And it was when I figured out what snatch meant, okay. which I can no longer use anymore. Like, a kid would be like, oh, let me snatch my ball. Or, blah, 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 let me snatch that hat yeah. off your hat. I can't use that word without thinking of snatch. And so we kept writing snatch through our letters, but we didn't really know what it was. Like, we right. knew what it was, but we didn't know what it was. So we sent these letters. That was the first Did time. Did you send the letters to oh, the Oh, yeah, guys? to the boyfriends. Yeah. Oh, full of snatch. Full of snatch. It was the fucking funniest shit. Oh my God. It was like my first attempt at like talking How dirty. How old are you? Yeah. I was like, you know, 18, 19. Yeah. It was hilarious. I but, love it. Oh. This is a sidebar. I should have asked this earlier. Yeah. But when you, after you'd, you'd repressed the rape, when you had sex for the first time, did you feel like I'm losing my virginity now? Oh, I was still... Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you know oh yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? yeah, did yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think that. I thought I was a virgin until I was 21. Right. 
So I didn't even realize that, that you didn't yeah. Have, yeah. So when you when you the first time <laughs> first time I had legit sex was with that, that, exactly. but, you, but in terms of your mindset and how you talked about it and thought about it, that was that oh yeah, was the that was my first time. Yeah, wow, it's crazy, interesting. Which leads into this question. Okay, enough. This question. What's the worst? Thing? Oh, what's the oh, other it was one? one of the other ones. Oh, well, well let's okay, do, right. find or the one that where it leads into. You, you so asked that lead one. into this one. Okay. Uh, you okay. What's that. the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? Oh my god, uh, this. Okay. The worst thing that's ever gone on for me on stage at this show was, you know how I do the ACDC dance? Yeah. I fucking slip, fall, roll on the stage and do this whole thing. Yeah. People thought it was part of the show, but I'm not supposed to fall, as you know. Yeah. And it was the funniest thing. And, like, somebody after the show was like, oh, my God, I love, like, the, the roll that you did on the floor. Yeah. But I had full on slipped yeah. and fell on my butt, did a roll, and finished the show. There you go. <laughs> that was work. it. That I was love it. it. But there, this time, there were moments where you cracked yourself up, oh, and they were so winning. <laughs> I just wanted to remark about that. Yeah. Like, there's one that hits every time. He's short. Yeah. Didn't matter what country I'm in, where yeah. I'm at, everybody busts, and that I usually. But this time, there were genuine moments where I was taken aback yeah. by the laughter, by the applause, by everything. So yeah. it was fun. Yeah, it was good. Any skinny dipping stories? That's uh, the card that you picked. It's so funny. So we're going back in time. So my very first sexual experience was with this guy that I met in Lake Michigan in Chicago. And that was uh, my funny skinny dipping. You, it happened that was in my LA? virginity. No, in Chicago. Right. It was my virginity was taken in Lake Michigan in Chicago. Wow. At midnight. And so was, you were in the water? Oh yeah, which was really dumb because it's that's I don't, it's the hardest thing to do. I was yeah. like, and so when I got that's out, a like, level of difficulty. Oh, that's, it was bad. Yeah, it was yeah, bad. Yeah. And I go, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, this is some bullshit. I was yeah. so mad because that was my official, official first time. Yeah, it was a choice, but it was my official first time. Right, and uh, that's your skinny dipping. Yeah, my moment. skinny dipping. There you go. All right, this has been so fun to talk to you. So much. Fun. I uh, thank you for sharing your story and being so open and fun and. Uh, nobody's talked about pussy juice on this podcast until Welcome. today. Today, I think I might name that chapter "Pussy Juice" yeah. instead of "Rock Bottom." I, I think well, pussy I, juice is really memorable, or it could be "Rock Bottom slash hashtag, hashtag Pussy Juice." Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's hilarious. How can people find out more about what you do, or are you on any of the social media? I or am I know on you're all of the social media. Uh, you go to my website, kimleesmith.com, and that's K I M L E I G H. S-M-I-T-H dot com. And everything you need to know about me is on there. You can also, uh, my number's on there. If you need coaching, if you need guidance, if you've been through trauma, please, please reach out. I always respond to everything, and I respond, not my assistant. And uh, you can reach me at any time. Totally Kim Lee at iCloud.com. Something like that? Yeah. Totally good. Kim Lee at iCloud.com. And um, if I can't help you personally, I will help you find the place that will. See, you're amazing. Thank you. Um, and I felt that from the audience. You felt like the women especially, like, it, it was kind of like when Oprah gives away <laughs> stuff, but in an emotional level. It had a sort of activation. Do you get used to that doing the show, or did it, or was, was this hyped this up was, to 11? I also was in the most vulnerable place I've ever been in my entire life. Right. Because of recent experiences. And um, life-changing, amazing experience. I'm so grateful. So I, I'm so grounded and so open. So I feel like the audience was a part of that. And it's yeah. interesting because I had one of my friends on that front row. It was heady just to be there. So was. I can imagine having, being the focus of all it of that. Was, that's why afterwards yeah. was really difficult for me yeah. to focus. But 
the, at the very end of your row was a gentleman, a rugby player, yeah. good looking as hell. Oh my God, yeah. Kristen Coppin, your boyfriend is gorgeous. Yeah. But um, I ran into them a couple of days later and he was mesmerized. He goes, never in my life have I ever felt that emotional. That, that. And then another one of the big producers that was in the office, he just wrote me this letter that is the most beautiful letter I've ever re- read from a man after seeing a show. And my big goal is that this doesn't just become for women, that this becomes a journey that we all get to go on together. And I feel like the men that were there that night, as well as the women, were in it. And that's that's where I'm at. Well, because I think your instinct is right. If we're going to heal this stuff, it has to be about the guys. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Um, final question, sort of related to that. Ooh. What's your dream gig? What's the dream? The dream is... Oh, word. The dream is to um, turn this into a global phenomenon so that we can find healing. And it's my own series and not because I have an ego about my own series and think I'm something awesome. I'm pretty awesome. I love myself. But, but it reaches so many yes. people. And that's what that I want. That Netflix bonk. Yes. I mean, yes. And yeah. that's what I want. And it's the reach. It's the reach. I want to reach global transformation. Yeah. Because for me, the, the greatest gift I've ever been able to give another person is find, helping them find their fucking voice. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's all she wrote. So I'm that the big dream is, you know, to be speaking all over the place, to be, you know, performing all over the place, to be having workshops, to be having people on my talk show, and to be having a series where people can transform. Yeah. I just, I'm uh, part of this documentary about cult survivors because I'm working with two of them, and uh, we shot here on Thursday. And it, it was that moment where you're like, you're watching people, you're watching me coach this person to the next level. And it was magic. And that's what I want to give because I feel like that was the gift I was given since I was born. So I just want to make an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's What's been your a dream? delight. Oh, gee. Um, no, I got, I need to go because I have a oh. sort of uh, maybe date. I'm Ooh, thinking of those. It's a date. Maybe. Tell me. What do you mean? Uh, maybe. Well, because it's one of those, let's do, let's go do something sometime. So it's one of those, I'll find Is it out. You? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's going to be a date. Fuck I it. hope so. Yeah, We're exactly. manifesting it being We're a date. Mani- thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So uh, I, I love interviewing people. So I want to, I think it's my superpower. So yeah, it is. My thing. There you go. Let's so, get you a yeah. show. And I also want the game to blow up because I feel like it brings a lot to the world. Done and things. done. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. This is so much fun. Uh, thank you. Your delight and, uh, and, and inspiration. And uh, this has been great. Thank you guys for being with me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Kimley Smith. That was quite a conversation. I really uh, got a lot out of it. Um, so I'm glad we did it. All right. You can learn more about her at KimleySmith.com. That's K-I-M-L-E-I-G-H-S-M-I-T-H.com. All right. So this happened. Um, how many of you folks know about the Alamo Cinema and Draft House? Uh, it's a chain of movie theaters, but they also do their food very differently than other, than other theaters. Um, I first discovered it when I was in Austin for the film festival there. Um, yeah, I remember one of my films screened in the Alamo Draft House, which was super cool. And then I ended up seeing another movie. I remember seeing, it was when Meg Ryan, they redid The Women with Meg Ryan. And that's, why can't I remember anyone else that was in it? But it was not a very good movie. But it was made much better by the Steak Tacos at the Alamo Draft House. So they actually, you order food and they bring it in. Long story short, they finally opened one in LA and I went to it the other night. Um, it's downtown on 7th Street. It's right there when you get off the subway. So it's easy to find. And it was really fun. Um, I just love the way they do movies and food. And it's clearly 
from a fan's perspective, there's a lot of fan energy around it. Great visuals, great posters. And um, my friend and I saw Hobbs and Shaw. So there was like this fun little featurette before, like things we love about the Fast and Furious movies and they had edited it together. So, um, and then they have their menu in there. We have pizza and uh, what else? Oh, chips with queso with green chili in them. And it's hard to find Mexican food done with green chili in California because that's a very Southwest Tex-Mex thing. And as an Arizona boy, I love my green chili. And my favorite thing, I ask the waiter, I'm like, do you have Coke Zero? And every time I ask somebody that, I feel like a fool because I know the chances are very slim that they do. And he said yes. So they had me at Coke Zero. Um, They also have like videos that you can check out like a video store for free um and they have like a bunch of game tables and stuff so i'm going to donate a copy of you don't know my life hopefully and maybe even do an event there but long story short a big fan of the alamo draft house happy they came to la um if you live in the city check it out it's really cool okay that's enough for this week we'll catch you next time on dennis anyone bye (laughs) 